All right. Well, it's great to see everybody this morning. We knew that something big was happening when the NHL canceled its season. Like, it was all just rumors until all of a sudden the Jets weren't playing, right? And then now we're in trouble. This is a crazy time to be alive. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of continue on with life as usual. We're going to be moving on through the book of Ephesians. And I think we should pray together at the end as well. So we're going to do that. Um, So why don't we read the next portion of Ephesians? Wonderful. This morning, I'm just going to read it for you. And my desire this morning is that we would embrace what God has done through the Lord Jesus in setting him up as the highest authority in the universe, especially during troubled times. So why don't we read this? These are the very words of God. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this Sunday. I thank you, Lord, that even though the news has changed, and many of our lives have changed in some ways, some, some small, some great, you have not changed. You still reign, Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you still have your son sitting on the throne. And so, Lord, I come to you and I humble myself again before you. And we come before you. And we pray, Lord, would you glorify your name. God, I pray that truth would triumph over every fear, every worry, all pride, all assumption. And that you would do a great work in our midst. And Lord, in these days, would you empower us and do something that you are proud of through your people. Jesus Christ, the great head of the church, move in and through your body in these days. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, like I said during the announcements time, this is my first sermon I've ever done during a uh, pandemic. And I think this is the first Sunday that many people will ever be speaking during a pandemic. And if you're a, a student of history at all, you've probably heard of plagues before. Maybe you've heard of the 
I think it's called the Anatolian Plague, which was a really big one in the early days of the history of the church, which I think wiped out something like a quarter of the Roman Empire. Or maybe you've heard about the Black Death or the bubonic plague that went through Europe multiple times in the history of the church. And I remember either hearing or reading a story about uh, the Black Death in Europe, and it might have been England where they found this one book that was like the history of a town, and in one year this town had four mayors because the mayors just kept dying, and then the town ceased to exist. Everybody had either died or fled, and this, this, the city just disappeared because a plague was going through Europe. And so um, these things do happen. And the church has weathered storms like this before and has often risen to the challenge of caring for people who are sick during these times because the natural human instinct is to, to flee, right? Um, two weeks ago, Toilet paper, and I'm sorry for the joke, but toilet paper was something that we wiped our butts with. And now it's something that you fight to the death over. That's not rational. Right? But it happens. And I don't know why with all the toilet paper, it could just be a supply chain problem, but... uh, These are very interesting times. But they're not that unusual, except for one thing. I think this is probably the first time where most of the world is expected to have the same cold within a few months. They say they, they, even when you do things like have quarantines and shut down schools, they're not saying this way you won't get sick. They're just trying to have less people sick at the same time so that there's less people showing up at the hospital and overwhelming the nurses and the doctors there. But they still expect most of the world to get this coronavirus. I don't know if that's ever happened before, where you could, you know, a year from now, take a world tour and, and everybody say, so how was the, the flu for you? No, not so bad. Yeah, I got it pretty bad. Like, that's a weird shared experience. And it has a lot to do with the, the speed of travel. A hundred years ago, it would take you three months to get from Steinbeck to China. And now with the entire planet trying to keep this virus from not getting here, it took only three months to get from China, to at least to Winnipeg. I don't know if it's here yet. These, these are weird times to live in. Yeah, it's here. And it is going to impact people's lives. Some people are going to get sick and some people are going to get really sick. And uh, that's just life in a fallen world right now. But we don't have to do any of this apart from the Lordship of Jesus. This is our great hope. And so I, I want to get there, but I don't want to miss an opportunity to say some things that Scripture says that we don't always hear all the time. Okay, So I want to get back to Ephesians and the hope we have in the risen Lord Jesus and the power we can experience having as our head and our Lord and our master the man who has all authority and has been seated on a throne above all rule and all power and all dominion. I want to get there. I just don't want to get there too quick. Because I do think that God might be doing something in the world that it's good for the church to notice. I think, I could be wrong, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I think 
God is humbling us. Because about four months ago, most of us would have thought that we're pretty in control of our lives. Right? Most of us would have thought we could book tickets to an NHL game and actually see it. Or you could book tickets to a conference in May and you might be going. But now everything's stopping. And borders are getting closed down. Right? Yeah, airports are getting shut down. This is my friend Dave. Yeah, so stuff is happening. Stuff is happening that we didn't think was going to happen. And it's, we're not in control of this. And in the history of Scripture, God will often do things like this to reveal to people they're not in control. When Moses showed up to speak to Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, did Pharaoh think that he was in control? Yeah, absolutely. He thought he was a God and the son of God. He thought he had the power of life and death over the Israelites, including telling them to kill all of their sons for years and years and years. And Moses was one of the escapees of this. But when Moses showed up for the rematch with a stick, was Pharaoh in control? No. And every single plague that Moses brought against Egypt had one theme. You're not the boss here. You're not the boss here. You're not the boss here. The boss's name is Yahweh. And he says, let my people go. And even as Pharaoh's pride got bigger and bigger and bigger, all it did was produce more and more humiliation for him as he was overcome and overpowered. And all the gods of Egypt were shamed by the plagues of God. You might remember the time, I think it's at the end of Kings, where David wanted to number the people of Israel to find out just how many soldiers he could summon if he wanted to go to war. And he did. And one of his generals even said, don't do this. This isn't smart. There's like a law in the Bible against doing this. David, don't. But he insisted. And what happened afterwards when he was done? Yeah, the Lord struck Israel with a plague. To humble David and prove to him, you're not the boss here, David. And however many people you might number, this does not give you any strength or any power. And I can take away all the people I want to from this country. I want to read from the book of Revelations really quickly. If you're familiar with the book of Revelations, it is about, it's a book about spiritual warfare and God wrestling with the world. A lot of it has to do with the early days of the church in Rome. But just listen to this des- description of trumpets being blown in heaven. And then this summary, I'm starting in verse 13, but the summary in verse 20 of what God is doing here. And then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. I know this doesn't make a lot of sense, but just you got to work with me here for a second. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. 
the number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. And I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates, the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads. And fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads. And by the means of them, they wound. So this is a prophetic vision and a picture of God's wrath being poured out on the earth through plagues but listen what it says in verse 20 following the rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities or their thefts What was the purpose of the plagues in this book? Uh, to draw a very proud world to repentance to the living God. And in this chapter, it didn't work. And, you know, I'm weird. I get it. But in my heart, I'm just thinking, you know what? If, if the whole planet can go through the coronavirus, shutting down borders, people dying, hospitals overwhelmed, People thinking all of a sudden toilet paper is the most important thing on the planet and we never get to humble repentance, then heaven will be frustrated by our lack of response to an opportunity to get right with God. Because the next one could be a hundred times worse or a world war or something way worse than what's going to happen. And you know what? It could get worse. So far, though, it's like one of the mildest, one of these things that, that happens. And yes, if somebody gets really sick or dies, I'm not trying to belittle that. It doesn't matter how statistically improbable it is. It's always bad when somebody dies. But the reality is, historically, this is very mild. And God is owed some gratitude for that from the whole world. But will he get it? As far as I know, there's only one world leader who's actually called his country to a day of prayer and humbling themselves. And it's the one everybody thinks is the most arrogant guy. I, I don't know how to live through these days, church. It is the weirdest time to be alive. The person who goes to these like G8 meetings where all the important people go and hang out and gets treated like the most arrogant guy on the planet and rejected is the only one I know of who's actually calling his country to humility before the Lord. And you know what? The king of Nineveh in the book of Jonah was probably a pretty arrogant guy. But when he called his country to humble themselves, God spared the wrath they deserved to the point that Jonah was upset about it. So I'm not the judge here. But humility goes a long way with the king of kings. Even if you don't even have the name Christian over you. Crazy. These are crazy times. I don't want us to miss it. These are crazy times. Let's be humble, powerful Christians in crazy times. 
Jesus was kind of like this. I don't think I'm far off from being like Jesus and preaching like this. There was this time where people came to Jesus and he was hearing about some of these bad events. You're probably familiar with this, the time the Tower of Siloam fell down or these people who were murdered by Pilate during their worship. And these people around Jesus who heard these stories of bad things happening to people, they were kind of thinking to themselves, wow, for something so bad to happen to that guy, they must be really bad sinners. You know, if somebody actually gets really sick from this virus, they must be really bad people. Or, you know, the people who are dying are over in other countries where they're really bad, but probably not in Canada, it's going to be too bad. We've got the free health care, and we've got so much space that you can go days without actually seeing somebody if you want to. We're going to be fine. The bad people are somewhere else. Good people are here. We didn't even cancel our Sunday service. Look at us. We fear no virus. This is what Jesus talked about. This is, these are humbling words. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. This is our Jesus talking. Do you think, do we think that because other people have it worse than us, that they're any worse sinners than we are? No, but unless we're right with God by faith, we're in just as bad a situation. It just hasn't happened yet. I'm not condemning anybody. But hear me, I'm advocating for radical humility during this pandemic. Whatever happens, that we would be humble, humble, humble people before the God who decides how long each one of us lives. We could be driving away from Costco with a van full of the first shipment of their awesome Kirkland brand toilet paper, thinking we're set to outlast, outlive, and survive this thing. And we could get hit by a train. We're just, we're not in control. I'm, I'm not in control. And you, you kind of go to bed at night going, well, do you cancel service? I just, I'm not in control here, guys. And neither are you. Do we get it? We don't get to decide how long we're healthy or how long we live or what we get to do. We have these short days and these few resources to serve the Lord as he leads. And as we do our little things, the king of heaven is pleased and is with us and loves us and loves it and will reward us for eternity for these little things like handing out your hand soap on garage sale You got an extension on your mansion for that, Heather. For hand soap. And you delivered it. So maybe Jesus will get an angel to carry you to your mansion. You like delivery? I could do delivery. 
says the Lord Almighty. I'm not an anti-government guy. And the longer I spend in church leadership, the more I get it. I just think they don't know what they're doing just like I don't know what I'm doing. And they're just trying to do the best in a bad situation just like I would try to do the best in a bad situation. They're no smarter than me unless they think they are and then they're in real trouble because we're not in control here. And so don't come away from what I'm about to say thinking I'm like a burn-down-the-parliament kind of guy. I have actually deep sympathy for world leaders because I know that all the power and authority they have just usually means that they fall from a much higher place with a lot more humiliation than the rest of us would. But I am concerned that we can have this event where the governments of the world, it is proven to them that they cannot stop the tiniest thing from traveling into their countries and turning their countries upside down. Starting in one of the most um, despotic countries in the world that probably prided itself on being able to accomplish whatever it wanted to, but it can't even stop this microscopic thing from going into every single province and shutting down the entire billion-person strong nation. And I've got nothing against them personally unless they don't learn this lesson from Psalm 2, which says about Christ, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them with his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise and be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is a messianic psalm. It's a a prophecy about the reign of Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. When God raised him from the dead, he gifted to Jesus every single nation. We all belong to him already. There's really no such thing as a Christian nation. They all belong to Christ already. By right. He created them. He created every person in them. He created every resource in them. And by his resurrection from the dead, God has put him on the throne of heaven and said, everything now belongs to you, Jesus. We all belong to him. And our job as the church is to go to all of these nations and proclaim to him the lordship of Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Good news. You're not in control. And you don't have to pretend to be anymore. 
God has set his son Jesus on his holy hill. He has raised him up from the dead and put him on the throne of heaven. Let's all bow down and kiss the son. Let's rejoice with fear and serve him with trembling because he's the Lord and he can take care of this and he can take care of us. Amen. So let's go back to Ephesians here. So that's the heavy part. Let's let that go down deep into our souls. Look, when we were moving into this new building, I had like one desire from the Lord. This is my desire. And it wasn't ripping bass. That was just thrown in. I have this desire that God would make us such a people that if he transported any one of us into the center of the Middle East, we would know how to thrive. With none of our culture and none of our comforts because we're already living for the glory of the risen Lord. Amen? This is my desire, that he would make us a missionary factory. I didn't ask him for a pandemic to help me make my point. This is again thrown in for free. But Christians should be wise and realize all the things we have that aren't Jesus we can lose. So let's love the fact that we have Jesus. Now let's read this passage again. It's up there. I haven't changed it. And we're going to start here. Paul is praying that God would send the Holy Spirit on his church afresh, that we would get something. He's praying, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Some translations don't capitalize the spirit part. It's a small s spirit. I made it capital S spirit because the only spirit any Christian should want is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and it's a good thing too because the spirit is the spirit of revelation and the spirit is the spirit of wisdom. I can't imagine that Paul's not thinking about the Holy Spirit. But that the spirit would come on us afresh and we would get things that Christians tend not to get. Okay, can we get this? When, when Paul is praying for his churches to get something, he knows it's because his churches tend to not get these things. Right? I pray that your hair would grow. Nobody prays that unless you've got some pastor patches at the front and it's just thinning out a little bit there. You don't pray that because that's what happens. If understanding these things were what happened, he wouldn't be praying for it. This is what does not happen unless we ask. Okay? He wants us to get some stuff, and he wants us to understand that we've got this hope, and that's great, and it flows from what I want to talk about. He understands that we've got this riches in the saints, and that's great, and it flows from what he wants to talk about. But verse 19, he says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of the power towards us who believe? Hello? Amen? Do we all believe this easily? No, because we're Canadians. Because we know the truth that if you don't have $10 million in the bank, you don't have any, any power at all. You can't do what you want. You can't do stuff unless you're rich. We get it, right? Unless you're super beautiful, unless you've got a YouTube channel, unless you're stinking rich. You can't. You don't have power. You don't have immeasurably great power. You're just a weak nobody. You just can't do nothing. Isn't that what we believe? Speaking of things that need toilet paper, thoughts like that need toilet paper. Clean out your head. (laughs) 
We, and I'm preaching to me now. I could just insert Rob now. According to the working of God's great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This is the power of God. The worst thing the coronavirus can do to you is kill you. That's where God started with Christ. He took him dead. The worst thing that can happen to us from this virus is it kills us. And that's where God started with Jesus. He wasn't even trying until after the cross. And then from death, he says, I'm going to make you alive with an everlasting life. I'm going to resurrect you. It wasn't a resuscitation. It wasn't just the breathing into the mouth. Clear. He was dead, dead, dead. And then God brought him back from the dead. And not only that, he brought him up to heaven. And not only that, he seated him on the throne of heaven and gave him the name, the Lord, which is the name above all rule and all dominion and all power. You cannot meet anything that has any authority in the presence of Jesus. You can't go to a house or a parliament that has any authority compared to Jesus. It's all his And anybody who has any power and authority, it's just borrowed. It's a library book. You can lead a church for a couple of years, Rob, but you owe me an account for what I've invested in you. You can lead a country for four years at a time, Prime Minister, but you owe me an account for this authority I've invested in you. It's all His. And that's not good news yet. And God put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is where it becomes good news. This all-powerful, ever-living being, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father gave to us to be our living head for free. So now all of us can come to Jesus if you believe that he's the Lord, if you believe he's the Son of God, if you believe that God put him on the cross to die for your sins and raise him from the dead, you don't just get him as buddy. You don't just get him as the health links person that you can call for a little bit of some ideas, rub some ointment on that, you know, put some basil in between your toes before you go to bed. He's not just a human being. He's the head of the church for us. He's given to us to be everything we need in every single situation. All wisdom, all power, all authority, all love, all kindness, all goodness. Jesus exists to be that for the church. That's his job, not his hobby. This is his life, not something he has to do. He's not scrubbing toilets when he loves us. He's not filling up gas tanks because he has to when he gets to be our Lord. This is why he exists, to be our living head. And to use his power through us for good. This is good news. He's just very underused sometimes. By a church that sometimes doesn't know how to value him and treasure him and trust him. 
me included. This is such a good time to be alive. Because we're getting shaken. It's such a gift to realize that the things you thought were stable aren't stable. And the things you thought you could trust, they're not worth the worship. It's also a good time to be alive because we can see that there is a lot of suffering in the world. And the perfect Canadian life does usually not involve self-sacrifice to save people who, who don't love you. Right? And uh, I find that in my heart as you read the news you, and the kind of the death toll numbers go up in other countries, you have to fight against going, well, at least it's not here. Like, those are real people dying. And most of them do not know Jesus. And they are going from deathbed to judgment seat and they've got no blood they've got no cross they've got no gifted righteousness they do not have an advocate in their corner all they have is the sins of this life to pay for forever i i uh I think I'm going to pray. Father, would you just come and move amongst us now? Father, these days will pass. But Lord, the need of souls for being rescued by Jesus will never go away until you return. And so, Lord, I pray you would do such a thing in our age, Lord. Lord, I just have this longing for the humility of Christ and to be so gripped with the importance of your gospel, the power of the resurrection amongst us. God, I pray you'd help us to be people who can believe that God's resurrection power can work in us even when we feel weak, especially when we feel weak. Lord, we're so convinced that if we feel weak, that means that you're not with us. And that's just a lie. God, I pray that you would you would help us to get our eyes off of ourselves. Lord, and that even these days would just shake us to realize like, we don't have a lot of time, and we're not in control of these things. God, I pray that you'd help us to just be burdened, Lord, as we see these numbers, that most of the people who will die because of this thing, they don't know you. And most of the people who recover, they don't know you either. And so, God, would you do something here? Father, as this brush with pandemic is is making us think about our lives like we could die. And Lord, would you help us as, as people who worship the one who died and rose from the grave, would you help us to realize it's not the dying that matters, it's what happens afterwards that matters forever. And would you help us grow, Lord, and repent and be zealous for what happens after death? God, would you give us the love of Christ? Would you give me the love of Christ, Lord? I'm so empty. 
God, would you show me with power, Lord? Would you use each one of us? God, I thank you for Heather that, again, she's, in one sense, she has no title in the church. And she's following you. And Lord, may we become people who expect all of us, without title or position, to be following you with faith. Oh God, set us free. And so, Lord, I pray you would be glorified in these days. I pray that we would be profoundly unsettled as your church. And, Lord, I pray that you'd make us so zealous for people, Lord. And you would lead us, God, by the Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't be just panicking and feeling like we're failing you, but instead you would lead us by the Spirit of God. And that you would truly transform the world. Father, I want to lift up the church in China right now, which is probably, again, the country suffering most from this, and the place where you have so many millions of zealous believers there. Would you bless them? Would you empower them? Would you give them grace? Would you help them to find people who are in the place where they are in loss and they need the good news of a God they can't lose, who will love them forever and give them everything he has, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, would you send them out and empower them. And God, would you help all of us? Lord, I pray for our neighbors down south who are also having many things happen to them. God, I pray you'd raise up the church and bless them. Lord, I pray you'd move us beyond just confidence or fear, but actually mobilize loving of neighbors and speaking the gospel and seeing your kingdom extended, especially into places, Lord, that require shakings like this to open up doors. Lord, I think about Paul and Silas in that prison singing your worship, Lord Jesus, the place in that city most designed to keep people in and keep people out and through worship and trust in the midst of a bad situation you tore down those walls and you broke all the chains and you saved that jailer lord jesus and i pray lord that you would anoint this coronavirus which means the crown the crown the virus of the crown i pray you'd anoint it to break down the walls lord even as borders go up lord break down the walls of unbelief lord and send in your message and send in your people lord so that even if some people die many times more would come to true life in the lord jesus christ Father, I pray, Lord, I give you this stuff, Lord, Lord, I don't have anything. I, I get it. I don't have anything. I give you all I have, which is just my, my brain and my time and my heart. God, would you use us? Would you use us together to make the most of these unsettling times? In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.